Hello everybody and welcome back to Two Brit Gamers. I'm Ian. And I'm Ant. And today we're on part two of episode one slash two of our introduction to ourselves. This is where we go more into the current era of video gaming. So we're going to look at genre one of uh, the PS2, Xbox, GameCube and Dreamcast. Indeed, we're moving into the 2000s, folks. Nothing can stop us now. Yes, and then there'll be the PS3 360. Uh, And we've classed the Wii and the Wii U together, because they kind of overlap that period. I mean, the the Wii U was so badly marketed, most people thought they were the same thing anyway. Yes, pretty much. And then we're going to today's uh, current consoles. I say current consoles, by the time you hear this, the PS5 and the Xbox One Series X, X, S Series, whatever it is, will be out. Because that's confused everyone in the world. So yeah, you, so we'll, we'll have the uh, the PS4, the Xbox One, and the Switch. So have you pre-ordered an Xbox One X? Uh, no. Good. Have you? No. Good. Excellent. Right. PlayStation's already. <coughs> well, indeed. There will be Xboxes along the way, but we've gone PlayStation to begin with, just so you're all aware of this. Indeed, and we'll probably do some kind of podcast after it all comes out, and we can review them immediately from day one and tell you that there's actually no games out yet, but hey, don't worry about it. Well, there's a lot of PlayStation 4 games out for the PlayStation 5 on day one. This is very true. This is very, very true. But we'll cover that in a different podcast. It is a beautiful Wi-Fi router. So to give you a uh, to give you a, uh, a break from me speaking first this week, Ian is going to speak first on the subject. So would you like to go to your uh, top three and honourable mentions of the PS2, Xbox, GameCube and Dreamcast era? Yes, indeed. There are probably too many honourable mentions to honourably mention, you so I'm not going to honourably mention all of them. I'll just do a few at the end. Yeah, start, starting with my top three for number three, and it's got to be said, all three of these were really, really close. And for number three, I went with The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, which is probably my favourite Zelda game. From the like the cell shaded graphics, which frankly have become timeless. They were a bit controversial at the time. People weren't too enamoured with them. They wanted some like dark, gritty, adult Legend of Zelda, but I absolutely love those graphics. The massive ocean to sail around to just explore along with the music that went with it. I enjoyed the fighting system, even down to the point where, you know, every time you hit something or counter something you had a little flash of music for every hit you did. So eventually a fight just became a, a massive musical event. But it is by far for me one of my favourite Nintendo games, and just the pure aesthetic of it is fantastic. Yeah, very agreed. Um, it will feature on my list as well somewhere. Good man. <laughs> so, uh, no, fully agree. Wind Waker is a very good game. So after Wind Waker, we move into a genre I've not really touched on yet, but it is one of my favourite genres in terms of horror. And I'm going to go with Silent Hill 2. And this was the one that was really fighting with top place with the other game I've got. But Silent Hill 2 is, for me, the game that's probably disturbed me the most out of any game I ever played. I mean, at the time, those graphics were absolutely groundbreaking. Compared to Silent Hill 1, this looked incredibly realistic, and I know the kids out there will be laughing their heads off if they look at the graphics now, but the leap then from PS1 to PS2... It just looked absolutely incredible, and like the, the sheer level of like absolute body horror, disturbing noises, the use of light throughout that game was incredible. I, I love it. I if they remade Silent Hill 2, I would fund it. I would pay for them to make that game. I don't think I ever played Silent Hill 2. I know I played the first one. I didn't play the second. I think I played one and four. 
which is an odd way to play them. But no, when you mention about graphically, I think when you look at game system consoles, the jumps between our last categories, like say the PS1 to the PS2, which we're covering now, yeah. and then the PS3, they, I think they're the biggest jumps that you've had in console gaming. I mean, even we're going now from like the PS4 to the PS5, and we can see that there's a difference, but... Yeah, it's not as revolutionary as it was. No, I mean, if you go like the Grand Theft Auto route, PS1, you got the original Grand Theft Auto, the top-down, you know, almost 8-bit graphic style of that that game, to go to Grand Theft Auto 3 on the PS2, Yeah, which was a complete leap. And then when you look at something like the PS3 had um, Grand Theft Auto 5, and that the jump from like Grand Theft Auto 3 to 5 was massive as well. Mm. And yeah, there is a massive jump in the graphics, but... Yeah, the PS2 era, that was kind of the where graphics started to get that realistic edge. Yeah, and it's, it's where games started to get that bigger budget coming in as well, because it wasn't just like the graphics and the sound effects improved, it was the writing too. Well, the, the characters in that game, every single one of them had something wrong with them. And like the, the whole thing where like the town is a purgatory for people who've committed heinous crimes by the end of it, it it's really well done. Yeah. It is a, um, a very good story-driven game, even if I can't play it because I'll be hidden behind the sofa. <laughs> one day, mate. One day we'll get you to play. Uh, maybe. <laughs> and finally, we come to my number one for this, and I've gone with uh, a Japanese RPG because I am a huge fan of RPG games, and for this one I went with one that kind of broke the mould a little bit, went a little bit different to your Final Fantasies and your Dragon Quests. I've gone for Persona 4. Looking at all the individual component parts of this game, I should just be really annoyed by it, hating it, and wanting to just murder every character in this game. Weirdly though, it all comes together really, really well. It's got very much a a very different setting for a fantasy game than it's supposed to be set in the real world. It's set in like modern times, it's a very contemporarily set game. And everything from the characters initially annoyed the hell out of me they became endearing the music was endearing even the weird little jingles that you heard on the tv for the local supermarket absolutely loved it gameplay i enjoy turn-based gaming i liked this one as well just because it adds that little extra bit of strategy in there with the different weaknesses that all the enemies have being able to time your attack so essentially everyone could just then pile in and destroy everybody. The whole thing with the social links, where as you get to know people better, your character becomes more powerful, you get to summon more personas. And then with the personas, it's essentially Pokemon, and you've got about 200 of the darn things to collect. I, I really actually know nothing about Persona 4. I don't think I'd even heard of the Persona games until I met you. <laughs> and um, this was like the PS4 era, so it was Persona 5. And I have I do own that, and I have started that, not very far into it. I mean, it looks amazing. It plays really nicely. Turn-based combat. <laughs> it's one I may have to go back and invest in and spend some time on. I mean, in terms of 5, like the sheer use of style in that game is amazing. Yeah. I saw you playing 5, and that's what tempted me into buying it. Yeah. That's, that's what I liked. Yeah, it is one I, I will go and play some of. Hopefully, if I get some time in my life, I may go and play number 4. <laughs> So, just chucking a couple of honourable mentions out there. I'm gonna... A couple? He's got a page full of you. Well, I mean, it's big writing. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of RPGs, you've got Dragon Quest VIII, Final Fantasy X. You've then got the likes of Resident Evil 4, which was pretty much a high for that series until recently, as we'll discuss later on. Um, a game called Mashed, which was a little local four-player driving game, similar to Micro Machines where you just went round courses with weapons trying to blow each other up 
last one off the screen dies. That kind of great fun. But yeah, I, I could go on for ages about the honourable mentions for this era, but we don't have that much time, and the listeners probably don't have that much patience. Well, so. we we do. I mean, I just have to cut a lot of it out. When oh, they, absolutely. Uh, editing the floor. <laughs> So I shall pass on to you now to talk about your top three of this era. Yeah, okay. So I will start... My second and third place, it's very, very hard for me to pick them apart. I'm going to put Zelda The Wind Waker, same as you, at number three. The reason I've put it at number three is because Zelda's feature heavily on my list. And I think I'm a much bigger Zelda player than you. And I, I love The Wind Waker, but it's by no means for me one of the better Zelda games. There are others for me that are better. So... The different way of exploration, the boat rather than walking around and using the horse. A lot of nods back to previous Zeldas, especially Ocarina of Time that was in it. The way Zelda and Tetra had been done and the way that the, the, the Red King would become the boat. Yeah, I, it was a very good game. But what's peaked it to number two for me is this was the change in the, the genre for this game that I think really caught me. Whereas the last genre had the, the jump to 3D for Zelda, this one had the jump to 3D for Metroid. So going to Metroid Prime, absolutely fantastic game. Now it's been years since I've played this. I just know at the time I played it, it was an absolutely fantastic game. And again, like I say, going from, because there wasn't an an N64 Metroid, so you'd gone from Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo and I think there was a Game Boy one in the middle, but then this was the next main console version. And yeah, just going to the 3D aspect and running around and shooting a Samus, again losing all her equipment after one boss fight and an explosion. But no, it just a brilliant game. I, I really enjoyed Metroid Prime. Yeah, the, the atmosphere in that game was tremendous. Yes. It, it really captured that proper Metroid thing of you are alone in an alien place. Yeah, it's um, the, the Metroid games do that well in, in any aspect. I mean, we've not really actually... When, we've not got a list for handheld games, but actually my, my favourite Metroid game is actually Fusion on the um, Game Boy Color. I, I love my. Oh no, it's Game Boy Advance. It was the Game Boy Advance. Um, yeah. Fusion for me has one of my favourite stories, and I, I love that game. And I know that's a it's a classic two D platformer one that captures fear very well, especially when you're fighting the um, X A. Yeah, the, the 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 dark. Oh, it's not Dark Samus. It's the Alien X version of Samus. Yeah, it's really well done, and Metroid does that very well. It, it's almost horror-style gaming, but it's not horror. It, it's that suspense chasing. Yes. But yeah, I, I, I do like that. I was going to say, didn't um, Metroid Fusion actually link into... Um, it's one of the Metroid Primes. You could hook the Game Boy Advance up to the GameCube and you got particular suits for each game. Yes, yeah. yeah you need the um, the Game Boy Advance converter for the GameCube. And then, yeah, you could plug it in and you get extras in the game, I do believe. <laughs> and then number one on my list... I'm going to cover other games in this genre, well, in in this series. But to me, I actually think this is my favourite of the games. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. It was the first one that had a proper, like, A-list voice cast, because you've got, like, Samuel L. Jackson in there and other big stars. It's the one for me that had the best story. I loved playing Free. I loved Vice City, and especially the soundtrack for Vice City was amazing. Beautiful. But San Andreas was, for me... Just the best one. It was the biggest of the maps. It was the best story-driven game. I loved all the the extra stuff in there, like the gang wars that you could do, going against the police because they were trying to set you up. It just it was a great story. I'd, I'd have left out the RC plane missions, but other than that, it was absolutely See, fantastic. I, 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 you know, you go back and 
you watch YouTube videos of people playing this and oh they hated the flying plane bit. I can't remember that being that bad. <laughs> I don't know if I've just drowned it out from my memory, but I really can't remember struggling with that. Oh, I, I remember hating that. I remember the so one, much. the one in Vice City with the helicopter was a pain, but I can't remember. Uh, but I can't remember the plane in San Andreas being that bad. Well, I mean, the, the helicopter one I was fine with in Vice City, as you know from my helicopter flying skills in other games. Oh yes, <laughs> sure. Yeah, don't unique. don't ask him to play a Wildlands or a Breakpoint. It's uh, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> We've taken away Ian's uh, right to be a helicopter pilot. My, my, my helicopter license was revoked after playing. We've sent him back to Pilot Wings to, to learn how to fly. <laughs> but I, I I must admit I did love the size of that map as well because where with GTA Three and Vice City you were stuck in both those games in one city. This one spread it out to three cities <clears> in the wilderness in between, and I yeah. loved that. It's like multiple airports because the island was so big. You'd got the jetpack. You could have the adult sex toy as a weapon. (laughs) Only improved on by Saints Row, of course. Yes, yes. (laughs) But the best of the series for me, all round. Like I say, I I will cover other Grand Theft Autos. And in fact, I'm going to do so in my honourable mentions. The other two, Vice City and Grand Theft Auto 3. They are very good games. They're just, they didn't make my top three because San Andreas was my top of the three. And then I've also got my other honourable mention, Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh. So I know you could MGS1. I'm putting in number two because it's it was a good game. And if I remember right, actually Metal Gear Solid 2 was the first one I played. I went back and played one after number two. And just remember getting towards the end of the game and going, this is messed up. I, I genuinely thought my game had broken yeah, at that point. It's, yeah, it's... <laughs> really odd but it's brilliantly done yes yeah it's definitely worth a playthrough if you haven't played Metal Gear Solid 2 go and play it it is a bit of a trip towards the last (laughs) third of the game I mean for for me I think Metal Gear Solid 3 just about pips it but they're both really ridiculously good games see again I've never played 3 I've played 1, 2 and 4 I'm not a massive fan of 4 I couldn't get into it Mm. and then 5 is brilliant but hearing Kiefer Sutherland as <laughs> Snake is just a bit odd. Well, did, I, I think he only recorded about 17 minutes of audio for that entire game. So even though he is technically Snake in it, he barely says anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I like the latest one. But two for me was the best. Mm. And obviously, it's really you don't normally uh, you don't play as normal Snake in it. Well, yes, very <clears throat> true. You end up as Raiden. Yeah. And that this will be tying into one of my. Uh, one of my list items later on. So, uh, yeah, that's that, that's our uh, early 2000s. We, we will skip on now to the uh, PS3, Xbox 360, Wii and Wii U eras. That wasn't an ambulance you heard just go by. You just Wii said the U. Wii U. So, starting off on my top three for this era, then. So, during, during this particular era of gaming, I moved away from PlayStation. I was more an Xbox 360 player. Boom. I know, I know. Disgraceful. And... One of the exclusives you had on the Xbox was the Mass Effect series. So, the the three games in the Mass Effect series. uh, Mass Effect 1 was very much, you could tell it was like the experiment game. The combat wasn't very refined. A lot of the story was found just by reading different documents as you went through the game. Mass Effect 3, although very technically accomplished, that ending just kind of left you a bit cold. 
So for me, out of those three games, Mass Effect 2 was my favourite, and I think it's fair to say it's probably most people's favourite out of those three games. This is the one where they really, really properly refined the, uh, the combat in there, compared especially to the first Mass Effect game. It felt like a proper shooter, almost kind of Gears of War style, where you're constantly taking cover and shooting around corners of people. The characters in the Mass Effect games have always been a big part of it, but this one actually gave you an extra reason to care as you went around recruiting your crew and eventually ended up on the suicide mission at the end, where had you not followed through with particular side quests for characters, they can die in that last mission. And as some of you may know, with the Mass Effect series, what happens in one game then rolls on to the next game and to the game after that. So stuff you did in Mass Effect 1 will affect things that happen in Mass Effect 3. And so obviously if you know, major characters die in Mass Effect 2, that has a big effect on the next game. And, yeah, like I said, the, the fighting is creating it, the graphics in it were just for the time absolutely incredible, the customization of your character, and actually the music. The, the music in this game was a real step up for the series, and going back to that suicide mission, the music they put in that was absolutely brilliant. And as far as I know, I think it's on one of the, the many Philharmonic Orchestra video game albums you can find out there, and it just sounds absolutely oh beautiful. Yeah, I, Mass Effect is one that's kind of passed me by, because I during this era, so the last era, I never owned an Xbox when I had my PS2. I did when I went through, started buying all my retro consoles. I did buy an Xbox for a period, had a couple of games on it, and ended up selling it because I literally I never used it. I could turn on Halo 1 1. So Xbox passed me by. During my PS3 era, I did have several 360s that I would buy, would sit on a shelf for months because I, there was one game on it I'd want to play. I'd play that one game for an hour and then it'd end up getting sold six months later. <laughs> I think I had four Xbox 360s in my PS during the time of having one PS3. So. Yeah, Mass Effect and Gears of War both completely passed me by. Do know about the you know the, the idea of the game? I've watched videos on it for like the cutscenes to get an idea of the game, and I know the. And yeah, it does look like it's a a good game. I mean, the only one I could really experience nowadays is Andromeda, which oh, I know God. you've completely missed off this list because I've heard terrible things about this. Yeah, it, it wasn't the best continuation of the series, shall no. we say? So no, never played it. Do hear good things about it. But then again, I hear very good things about Halo, and I actually can't stand Halo. <laughs> Halo 1 to 3 I really enjoyed. After that, I kind of lost a bit of interest in it. Yeah. The Halo thing is quite shocking. When we go into our next list, the, the Halo thing is, is actually really shocking. And I, I don't get me wrong, I've tried Halo three times. Mm. And every time I've gone, no, after an hour, and just put it down. Well, who knows? Maybe in the future they made a game that you would actually well, enjoy. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old Bungie. <laughs> So that's number three on my list. For number two, now number two and number one have constantly changed places in my mind of what I want to do on this. But I, I think I finally settled down on what I'm going to do because th this list for me is the list of games that have had the biggest influence, have stuck with me the longest. And honestly, if I was given a choice of these two games and said, right, you just got to play one, I think I know which one I'd play. So for number two, I've gone for The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. So th this was the, uh, the follow-on from Oblivion and Morrowind, but this was with like your proper next-gen graphics. So uh, Oblivion, although it looked really nice, the second you looked at anyone's face, you would scream in terror and run away from the, from the TV. <laughs> Admittedly, Skyrim, they don't look perfect, but they at least look recognisably human 
rather than looking like somebody who's had a head chiselled out of a particularly ugly piece of rock. Obviously being a man with a beard, I quite like the idea of it all being set in like snow and mountains with Vikings around. The absolute freedom in these games to just go where you want and do what you want was great. I mean, if you wanted to, you could just go into a village, buy a house, and just blacksmith for the rest of the game, and just be the local village smithy. Obviously that's not what everyone did. Everyone else then went out, found ridiculous ways that they could uh, make things happen in the game, whether it was uh, walking horses vertically up cliffs, turning the dragons into Thomas the Tank Engine for some indiscernible reason. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that sense of freedom, that size of the world, and that you were just kind of out there on your own, it's similar in a way to Metroid, but there are actually other people out there to speak to. And that, that sense of adventure and discovery in that game was just brilliant. Whether it was diving down into caves, finding ancient ruins, loved it to bits. Yeah, again, Skyrim completely passed me by. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get to my list, the, the, uh, you, you'll see why he's passed me by. But yeah, Skyrim, again, it, it's completely passed me by. And I know we, we've had many conversations where you've talked about your love for Skyrim. And. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's one I probably should have played at the time. I mean, to be fair, it's available on every platform in existence, including fridges and various Amazon products, so I won't say the name of, because there's one in the room right now, and I don't want to tip her off. Oh, okay, yes. (laughs) Yes, I may get around to playing it eventually, but at one point... Oh, we have an Instagram now. Uh, We are uh, two Brit Gamers, number two Brit Gamers, on uh, Instagram, I will put a photo on there of my games collection for current console generation games, and you'll see why I don't have any time to go back and play Skyrim. <laughs> well, I, I will say, if you're not a fan of spiders, maybe avoid the VR version of Skyrim. I, I made that mistake, and it was a terrifying experience. Okay. Well, well with three-foot-tall spiders. Me not liking the smaller ones. The three-foot ones were blooming awful. Go on, where, where are you with your number one then? What so, finally won this battle? My number one. So you already mentioned earlier on Metal Gear Solid 2 and Raiden. My number one for this generation, and admittedly I can understand why people don't like this game. I can understand why it may have fallen off a lot of people's radars, but I've gone for Metal Gear Rising. Now, Metal Gear Rising is not a normal Metal Gear game. <laughs> Not by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, this particular one was made by Platinum Games. So the same people who made Bayonetta. And that's the kind of game it is. It is a fast-paced action combat game. And it is quite possibly one of the most insane yet memorable games I've ever actually played. The, The whole combat system where you control Raiden, who's now this seven foot tall cyborg ninja with like a massive sword that he carries around to cut things up. I remember when they did the preview of this game on an E3 many, many years ago, and they demonstrated it by essentially having him stood there in one level of the game with a big watermelon in front of him. And the control you had over the sword of how you can chop that watermelon into tiny little pieces then translates onto how you can then cut your enemies into tiny little pieces. Admittedly a bit grim, but my word, it felt fantastic to do. And as with any Metal Gear game, you can tell Kojima was involved because the plot takes about two minutes to go completely off the rails. I mean, I think in about the first five minutes you're fighting a Metal Gear in the middle of a city, running up and down buildings, leaping onto it and cutting it into tiny shreds. You you end up in just 
increasingly ridiculous circumstances. One, one particular one for me is where Raiden, who is quite clearly a big cyborg covered in robot parts and big shiny metal, decides that to go undercover in Mexico, he has to take the biggest, shiniest car he can and then, over his very clearly robot body, wear a sombrero and a poncho. It's one of the more bizarre scenes I've ever seen in my life, where he steps out of his car, thinks people don't realise that he's a big robot with a sword on his back, and then just decides to jump down a sewer in plain view of everyone. But it's, it's little moments like that all the way through the game where, yes, there are times where it takes itself seriously, but there's other times where it is very, very aware it's a video game and it's all very silly. And that also ties into the soundtrack. The soundtrack of this game I shouldn't enjoy in any way, shape or form, but for some reason, that combination of what's going on on the screen with the ludicrous speed metal music that goes over the top of it just ties together brilliantly. Even at the end where you're fighting a senator, which is one of the most memed boss fights in the history of video games with various mentions of Nano Machine's son and uh, not writing his own speeches. All to this ludicrously glorious track in the background. It's just great. And even to this day, I still listen to that soundtrack when I go running because it's one of the most motivating things you can listen to. But yeah, I 100% love this game. And it wasn't until I sat down and thought genuinely from this particular era, which game has stuck with me the most, and it is Metal Gear Rising. I should give it its full title, because the full title is amazing, which is Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. 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 It's so good. <laughs> like everything on your list in this genre, completely passed me by. I know, I know of this game, and it was because I, I think I skipped this one, because I wasn't that much of a fan of 4. I had 4, Started it, got stuck very quickly on a on a section, and <laughs> never turned it back on. So I think that's why it missed missed me by. Oh, passed me by, I should say. But yeah, again, I need to go and play your your list here. Yes, you do. Maybe one day in the future. We'll, Maybe we, we may even record it. Yes, that might be something for our. Uh... <laughs> so have you got honourable mentions for this? Oh man. Um, so for this particular era, yeah. Uh, again. Probably far too many that I can just pull out the top of my head, but unlike yourself, I quite like Metal Gear Solid 4. It's, um, you know, it starts off like a quite traditional Metal Gear game, but then kind of went off track towards the end when you had things like going back to Shadow Moses Island, getting to control the Metal Gear, all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was one of those things that properly concluded a story, which you don't see too many of these days. It was like, yeah, that's the end. All the other games after that were prequels, other than. Metal Gear Rising. Obviously, being a fan of my RPGs, there are a few RPGs from that era, such as like the Tales of Vesperius uh, game from the Tales series. Um, what else did we have? There's a huge wealth of games from that particular era that you know, go and explore it, people. Go and enjoy it. Even even like the slightly less enjoyed Legends of Zelda games, like uh, Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess. I still enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah, I did. Which I might cover very shortly. <laughs> So that's my top three from the uh, the PS3, Xbox 360, Wii U, Wii U, Wii U era. We should so, call it the casualty era. We, we should call it the casualty era. So uh, I now pass on to you, and What have you got for us? So, my number three. It's hard to choose between any game that these guys make. Quantic Dream. But I've gone for Heavy Rain. I think Heavy Rain is my favourite of the lot. Not 
technically the most complicated game in the world because it's just a series of push this button in the right direction at the right time or you know press x to jump or whatever but it's just such a beautifully done game graphics wise it's great the story is amazing so it's based on a killer called the origami killer the origami killer oregano killer that's the one the origami killer and it's to do with a parent who or a couple that have two children one of them dies in a tragic accident and then the other one gets kidnapped by the origami killer and it's the story of several people relating to the story so it includes a private detective who is on the case of looking into the cases there's a journalist who's involved in looking into the cases there's a police officer that's involved in investigating and then there's the father as well who's um, rescued the kidnapped child and playing the game from all four aspects is really cool there's a there's a really great twist at the end of the game yeah, it's a great story. Multiple multiple choice in places, multiple endings. Still one ending I could never get. For some reason, there's one thing I could never time very well. But yeah, just a, a beautifully made game. And uh, quite happily, I would say, uh, Beyond Two Souls and uh, Detroit Become Human on the, the later consoles, they're both fantastic games. But for me, of the three, Heavy Rain was the, the better of the three. Yeah, at the time it was also quite a quite a new thing as well. There wasn't really much like it at the time. I remember buying the limited edition version, which actually came with the Origami Swan you could make. Oh, nice! It came with a fold, and then the game disc gives you the instructions of how to fold it. So you could then leave it at the scenes of your own crimes. Yes, fantastic. Not that I ever did, but well, no, you, uh, kept, you kept forgetting to take it with you. Well, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so Heavy Rain is my number three. I've literally, I've got my number two and number one here. I'm going to change the order as I'm saying this right now. You copycat. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I, I, I too have been toying with this. Because of what I did in the last list with Grand Theft Auto, I'm going to put Grand Theft Auto 5 in second place. It is very close to being the best game of the series. I mean, obviously graphics-wise, looks-wise, it is the best game. Three... You've got that thing of it's last-gen graphics. It is a little blocky in places, and especially if you go back and play it now, San Andreas, Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto 3 all do look dated now, even though they still play great and the, the stories are great. But 5 just plays really well, looks really good. And then you get to the bit where you unlock Trevor. <laughs> and I think, hands down, Trevor is one of my two favourite video game characters of all time uh, the other one I've come to later which I know we're very divisive on but uh, yeah Trevor was just amazing Trevor's story starting from he's uh, in bed with someone else's girl and then he smashes his jaw on the curb and that's your introduction to the character it's just a crazy whirlwind from there and to the scene where or the, the level where you're doing the torture of someone and you get to choose about seven or eight ways to torture the guy including a car battery to the uh the gentleman's area yes. and is it a golf club to the teeth and yeah it's uh he, he is everyone's favorite lovable sociopath yeah he just is a fantastic character to play because characters like that normally aren't put in games or they're normally the villain yes and in this he's a playable character that you you don't want to fall in love with, but 
he's just the reason to play the game. It is strange you end up sympathising with this man yeah. towards the end as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was absolutely no way at the end of that game. Uh, spoilers, because we know this is coming to the latest gen, which is crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's no way at the end of the game you could kill Trevor. No, uh, anyone absolutely. who killed Trevor, he could not be my friend. But I, I am with you on that. It, it is a great game, but I, I'm with you. I don't think it's the best in the series. I'm, I'm like you. I'm with San Andreas on that one. Yeah. Because four, especially, kind of, it took a lot of fun out of it. it. It came a bit too serious. And five, well, you know, it is great. It's got this big, expansive world, all these things you can do. It never goes to the level of silliness that San Andreas did, and I love that. Yes, that's why that was number one in that list. The thing I like about Five is the multiple player aspect, where you could be Michael, Trevor, and oh, what's the third one called? Franklin? No. You could have just said it. I was trying to lead you into it, man. Come on, trying to help you out here. Franklin (laughs) was the third character. Let's start this again. (laughs) The thing I like about Five is the multiple player aspects of it, where you could choose between uh, Michael, Trevor, and Franklin, and they all had their own special abilities. Michael's was the bullet time effect Trevor's was just being crazy <laughs> and um, Franklin was the, the driving ability he had kind of bullet time for driving yeah you could kind of slow down time and pull ridiculous manoeuvres yeah one of the things I uh, one of my least favourite levels in any Grand Theft Auto was a driving level where you were made to do a race but in 5 especially when you used Franklin it became far easier to do the, the driving aspect of the game but yeah so number five wasn't number one up until about two minutes ago, <laughs> and it's been replaced by, yeah, probably, for me, the game of that generation, Batman Arkham Asylum. Ooh. And this is why I never played Skyrim. Uh, <laughs> Batman Arkham Asylum. The, that whole, the Batman Arkham series, for me, one of the best series of games. But starting with Arkham Asylum, I remember watching the trailer for that, and like any gamer that is like me a geeky comic book fan as well we've gone through a lot of years having really bad comic book character video games made there are the odd exceptions Spider-Man 2 on the PS2 is it Spider-Man 2 on the PS2? or Spider-Man on the PS2? whichever it was Um, which I never played and it's one of those things I've seen back afterwards and obviously it looks dated but you can see it was a good game Superman 64 yeah Superman 64 (laughs) and um, some of the horrendous games that were made beforehand you know you play some of the old Batman games where they're 2D platformers and they look like they've got nothing to do with Batman or any anything comic book wise and it's just you played Arkham Asylum and you've got the same character voices from the Batman animated series so you've got Mark Hamill as the Joker and um, Kevin Conroy as Batman and the game is beautifully drawn the characters are really well realised in the game it's just it was a revelation and you got that just from watching a two minute trailer when it first came out and I remember it being because we're now in the generation where I could buy my own games, you know. I, I'm at the age now where my parents aren't buying games for me. It's me that's buying the console and the games. And I remember it being one of those games that... Anthony, I've... are you talking about video games again? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> those kids' things. <laughs> I had to pre-order it. I had to get it. I had to have that day one because it looked amazing. And I was not disappointed. 
the way the game plays, the way you fight in the game, the weapons and uh, power-ups you could get, and the story arc is brilliant. And I know there are people out there that dislike the way the Joker ends that game as Venom Joker, which is is hard. And yes, I do get it, but it leads on so well into the, the following games. It makes so much sense. If you take it as a one-off game, yes, it doesn't make sense. But then this is comic book yeah. video games. Why, why not have a big buff boy Joker? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I know this is going to be divisive, but I am going to say it. Mark Hamill is the best Joker, closely followed by Jack Nicholson, and then Mr. Phoenix recently. Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, that's, that's the, one. the one. I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> I was going to say his brother. Yeah, Heath Ledger is not in my top five Jokers at all. One little bit. And I know that's going to be very divisive in this podcast, and it probably loses me listeners. But <laughs> yeah, Mark Hamill is the Joker for me. Always will be. Always has been. And yeah, just getting into play Batman playing or fighting Joker in that way was just amazing. Yeah, just a fantastic game. I mean... Don't get me wrong, I love Arkham City, I love Arkham Knight, but I think with Arkham Asylum, what really, really helped, what elevated it for me, was actually having that confined area. Not that big, free, open world, but being forced to explore Arkham Asylum bit by bit. And all the little things they could hide in there, That for me, that just made it so much better in terms of realising that world, of being able to get all that lore in there and having it make sense. And as I said, I love I love the freedom you get from Arkham City, but that for me is one of the big things that stuck with me from Arkham Asylum. Yeah, very much agreed. And it it kind of is a bit backwards because we like bigger open world games. You know, as as gamers these days, we demand more space and more room to explore. But actually, yeah, in the Arkham world, it work. I think Arkham City as well works better because it is. It's not a small game, but it's it's. The smaller confineness of being in the one area. Um, you can't just fly off or get in the Batmobile and drive to a new yeah, location. You yeah, very much explore. so. I mean, th- there is the one thing in that where the there is an emergency Batcave under Arkham Asylum, which is a little odd. But Oh, if I was going to put one anywhere. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, why he hasn't got one in every little uh, nook and cranny, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, just, just an amazing game. Honourable mentions for that era, I'm going to include uh, the original Red Red Redemption. Ooh. Great game. Rockstar makes some great games. For me, Bully or whatever the original version Canis was called. Canum Edit, as they yeah. had to change the name when it came out. Uh, Bully played really well. In fact, I, I really like that game. It's great. Again, game. graphically looks really dated now when you play it, but it's really, really well done. So yeah, Bully, uh, Red Red Redemption. Rockstar Table Tennis, let's not forget that. Yes, I did play Rockstar Table Tennis. I did have that. As did the, I, uh, and it was actually all right. Wasn't that one that you could use on the Connect on the Xbox? I think it's Quite one of the games yes. I used on the Connect <laughs> on one of my many Xbox 360s. <laughs> I did have one that had a Connect, and the reason I brought the one that had the Connect was, uh, and this game does not make the list, but the uh, there was a Star Wars Jedi game, lightsaber duel, was it or something? And right. you could <laughs> yeah, you could use the Connect, and it was all like mini games to do with using a lightsaber that used the Connect. I mean, it was no Han Solo dancing on Bespin to a song written about him. No, but. no, it wasn't. <laughs> the the side aspects of Star Wars are odd. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Red Dead, Bully. I've got. I've put Wii Sports down here. The you know original what? Wii Sports disc that came with the Wii. Genuinely fun game. Yeah, it's it's not it's not graphically great. It's nothing special, but it's fun to play, and it was especially fun. To, my favorite was the bowling. I yes. just loved doing the bowling. Tennis was fun. Golf wasn't bad. 
Baseball, no. No, the, the baseball was not great. And boxing got annoying quite quickly. But yeah. the other three sports I, I did enjoy. And then I've put... Um, I was a little reluctant to do this because I, I haven't covered one of these in my Zeldas that I've covered. But the two uh, Zelda remasters that are on the Wii U. So I've put the Wind Waker in and then there's the Twilight Princess one. Mm-hmm. Just because they're really nicely made remasters of the games. Uh, the Wind Waker it is... The, the graphical enhan- enhancements are nice. Obviously, I've put the Wind Waker as number three in my last list, so that's why it wasn't getting in the the top three in here. And Twilight Princess is it's not one of my favourite Zelda's, but again, the graphical upgrade in this, and especially getting away from being able to use the Wii controller to being able to use the Wii U controller, which I know is a bit clunky thing that a lot of people don't like, but at least it acts like a normal controller rather than... What, what threw me off with... Um the Twilight Princess remake was uh, playing the game the other way around because famously they had to flip the map of the game in the original Wii version because you were playing a left-handed character but most people were right-handed yep. so they made the game, he was left-handed and then they realised actually most are right-handed switched it over so they flipped the game world they mirrored it yep. and then playing it then in Twilight Princess HD or remaster, whatever it was called, and having the the game map be the other way around was a little bit confusing at first, but uh... yeah, agreed. It's it was an odd little quirk that they did. <laughs> both remasters play really nicely; they both look nice, so that's why I've put them in my honourable mentions. Cool. So now we're going on to what is up until now the current generation of console, at least for the next few weeks. Yes. Um, Let's hope so this gets out this, time. This, I guess, will be our final say on this current console because I guess podcasts from here will go into new console games true but we'll also you know, we'll, we'll be look at retro stuff history, yeah. but I guess we'll be saying from this point forward that the PS4 Switch and well not the Switch because that is the current console yes. but the, the PS4 and the Xbox One are previous generation previous generation stroke retro console. welcome to the new world yes so because I know there is a consensus between our number ones on this list yes I'm going to say do your honourable mentions and your number three and number two, and then we will talk about number one last. Yes, indeed. And that can finish off this podcast. <laughs> so if you'd like to begin with your wherever you want to be on this list. Yeah, so going back to a series I've mentioned before, uh, on the last episode, in fact, Resident Evil. Now, after Resident Evil 4, the series did kind of lose its way a bit. So Resident Evil 4 is quite rightly recognised as a masterpiece. Resident Evil 5, they kind of took the formula, injected Chris Redfield with an elephant's worth of steroids <laughs> to the point where he was punching boulders into pieces, and then set it uh, in Africa with a very kind of similar enemy as you saw in Resident Evil 4, where it was less uh, a zombie takeover and more people were infected by parasites that made weird, snaky things pop out of their head. It was alright, it was better in co op. So if you could play it with another person, it's actually quite an enjoyable game. Resident Evil 6 was the absolute worst game in the series for me. I skipped 6. Oh, it was... It basically went, right, we need to get every single character we've ever had and stick it into this game. It wasn't scary. It was quite boring. And it just wouldn't finish. It wouldn't end. The, the, The suffering continued for as long as you played it. And I swear this game is about 40 hours long. It's like, that's not a Resident Evil game. <laughs> it, it, it tried to be almost like a, an over-the-top Hollywood action flick. 
and it just lost all sense of itself. It lost all sense of atmosphere. And no, six was bad. If you like six, I'm not saying you're a bad person, but you're not invited to come visit me. At I kind of, I think if you go, is it one, two, three, and Nemesis? They're although graphically they're not the best. They are probably the best games of the story. Four's a very good game, but then starts to diverge. I mean, I'd probably say three wasn't great in terms of the story, but I did enjoy it at the time. So, so three obviously being Nemesis, which is the one they. Oh, three is Nemesis. They, yeah, oh, sorry. They, so they've most recently made that one, and I think when you compare the Resident Evil Two remake to the Resident Evil Three one, it's you know it's worlds apart. Number two there is far better, but the Resident Evil I'm here to talk about is Resident Evil Seven. Again, as I mentioned earlier, this is about games that stick with me. This is about games that give me a reason to remember them. And playing Resident Evil 7 in VR oh, yes. has got to be hands down one of the greatest gaming experiences I've ever had. It was terrifying in a way that horror games hadn't managed to be before because you're not just looking at a screen anymore with some characters on it. You are there. You are looking around at this run-down, dilapidated house with this insane cannibalistic family running around it I, I've never played a game before that's forced me to take stress breaks every 20 or 30 minutes yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I own this game I am nowhere near completing this game I will not play it in VR <laughs> I did the kitchen demo in VR I will not play this game in VR I do remember we, we had a gaming night and we had a friend play this in VR and got a couple of hours in, and it's the section where you've just found the wife. So it's very early in the game, and you go up a set of stairs, and the only way you can go is back down the same set of stairs, and then you see something crawling up the stairs that's not quite right. And yeah, that was that was proper jump out your seat stuff. It just leaps at you. Yeah. And then the bit later on where she comes at you with the chainsaw. Oh, she, she cuts off your hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's... And that was... Um, if you're in that VR headset, I mean, we were watching it on the screen with our friend playing it on the VR headset, and I just know that was a... I would probably poop myself if I was playing that game. Well, to, to be fair, with, with the bit with the wife crawling up the stairs and jumping at, at you, he actually leapt over the back of the sofa... He did, ...to try yes. and get away from it, so, you know, it, it, was, just, it was effective. It's so good and so realistic. I will not play that game any further than I have. Um, I, I was playing it uh, the other week with my wife sat next to me she was watching something on one screen and I was playing this and about 20 minutes in she had to ask me to start playing it because she kept catching it in the corner <laughs> of her eye and it'd be something run across the screen or yeah so it's not something that gets completed in my house. Well it's, it is for me a massive return to form for the Resident Evil series and you could see the good it did then with the Resident Evil 2 remake following it. And yep. I cannot wait for Resident Evil 8 on the PS5. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Village, is it? Village, yes. Yeah. Okay, number two. So for number two, um, I've, you know, this is very much a popular choice. And I don't apologise for taking the popular choice on this because I loved this game. So the generation before I had Skyrim for my RPG free roaming needs... This one for me easily tops Skyrim because I think The Witcher 3 is one of the greatest games that has ever been made. It's, again, you know, it's an open world RPG, third person, fairly standard stuff. You're a guy riding around on his horse with two swords on his back, 
slaying various creatures from different mythologies. What truly set this game apart for me was its ability to build a world. So in Skyrim, yes, you've got these different villages you can visit, but it's just full of people that say the same things over and over again and send you on a fetch quest. Witcher 3 side quests for me were a proper evolution of what they should be. Each side quest you went was either a self-enclosed story or it tied into a bigger story made up of other quests, and it made that world feel real. It, it made it feel like a living, breathing place as opposed to Skyrim, which was just a big playground for you to walk around. That's that's true for this for me for this game. That is, that is the greatest legacy it leaves in that it makes a proper world that feels like it could be an actual place, even though it's full of manticores and dragons and what have you. Yeah, I, I thoroughly love The Witcher 3. You know, even down to the game, I know, I know a lot of people are down on the combat. I didn't mind it too much. Like Having like the, the different quick spells he could do to kind of affect his fighting as he went, you reacted to what the enemies did to you. In, in a way, it had little flavours there of the, the Batman Arkham games in terms of how the combat went, if you were playing it right, obviously. I only occasionally played it right, but, you know, I tried. That That's my number two on this list. Have you had any experience of it yourself? Uh, yeah, I've played it. Not anywhere near as much of in depth as you. I'm. Uh, this is one of the games, because there, there is going to be an upgrade for the, the, the new generation consoles. So I, I think I'm going to restart it again uh, when the new generation consoles come out, and hopefully we'll get far more in-depth into it. But yeah, agreed. Everything I... I from everything I know from playing the game, I would mirror your your sentiments in that. It's all, all I would say when you start playing it, just make sure you put about twenty hours aside to play Gwent because that game is <laughs> yeah. ludicrously addictive. It is a brilliant card game within within The Witcher Three, which you know follows on from the tradition the traditions of like Triple Triad from Final Fantasy. But yeah, I I, I do love Gwent. And your honourable mentions. My honourable mentions for this one, well, I know you're going to mention it in more detail, I'm sure. Uh, Breath of the Wild. What a great game that is. I, I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it's almost as though I know you're a Zelda fan. Well, that's not, I've barely mentioned it. <laughs> no, that, that, like a proper, like well-realised open world where everything interacts with each other and it's it's like a proper, what would be the word for it, like a biosphere almost, where... Yeah. All the creatures can interact with each other. The weather counts. Little things you do can change the world. That that was a great game. Um, I'm also going to throw in Sea of Thieves because <laughs> that has some of my favourite co-op gaming experiences of this generation. We're just going out being a pirate with no particular goal in mind and doing very stupid things. I I will quite happily say, and that Ian knows this. I I brought my Xbox around two years ago. I brought it for Sea of Thieves. It's the one console exclusive on the Xbox that I want to play that I couldn't get on the PlayStation. So I literally, I brought the Xbox One for Sea of Thieves. So yes, agreed. We, we've had some good times on that. And uh, in terms of other games that spring to mind, just a couple more I'll throw out there. Um, God of War. Recently completed that now. It's, it's one I started, but then kind of veered off into other games, and I'm so glad I went back to finish it. Really great game. Big shift in tone from the original God of War games, and I, I think it it did it well. It's um, it, it's it's set it on a good path for the next game to come in the series. Which I think is Ragnarok, it may be called, mm-hmm. going by the recent teaser. And finally, going back to a series I mentioned earlier, Persona Five Royal. Unapologetic, big fan of the Persona games. The the level of like 
style and the way it's integrated the UI into everything you did. Love this game to pieces. The, the characters may not have been as as lovable as they were in 4. In fact, you spend about the first 10 hours of the game with everyone treating you like dirt, which was a bit of a weird experience after the last one. But yeah, awesome game. Good. Okay, my number three. I've gone for the uh, PS4 exclusive Spider-Man. I know I put Arkham Asylum at number one in the last list. And up until this point, Arkham Asylum was the best superhero game I played. Now, I brought Spider-Man the day it came out and played it. And I was in the middle of a house move at the time. So didn't play anywhere near as much as I'd have liked to have done. And it kind of got left on a shelf for about 12 months. And then I restarted it. I was off work for a week. I had some free time. I started the game. I didn't put it down for seven days. And I platinumed it in that seven days. Nice. It is an amazing game. There is so much depth and scope in that game. It is amazing. Can't wait for the upgraded uh, version on the PS5 with the Miles Morales extra bit. Just an amazing story. Looks beautiful. Plays beautiful. The fighting is brilliant. The swinging is brilliant. Swinging from building to building. Yeah, let's, let's, let's be clear on that. Yeah, the, the, the movement is brilliant. It's just brilliant. The way it includes so many bad guys. The Even the DLC adds great depth to the game. Character development of, of a couple of NPCs that are in it. It just plays amazingly. And for me, is probably the best superhero game out there. Nice. Um, it, it is close between that and the Batman Arkham games, but I think Spider-Man, although Spider-Man's at number three on this list and Arkham <laughs> was number one on the previous list, I think Spider-Man is the better game of the two, but it is very close. I mean, the, the level of fan service in that game as well, like all the different costumes you could unlock for Spider-Man based on all the different series over yeah. the years. All the little hidden locations like Doctor Strange's house and, oh, the, so many. and the Avengers building. It was, yeah. yeah. And um, things like the um, the J. Jonah Jameson radio interviews <laughs> during the game, the way they interact with the game. So you'll rescue someone, and then the next thing is they'll be on the phone to uh, Jameson uh, having a conversation about whether Spider-Man's good or bad. Or, and it's just brilliant the way they do it. The, the, the way the story develops as, as you play it along is just... Our, our podcast can only aspire to the levels yeah. of J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. <laughs> so that's number three. Number two is... this is a hard one for me because we've as I mentioned our number one is the same and we've done it for a reason I'm going to say my number two on this list is the best game I've ever played fair you know why Mm -hmm. and it's it's Zelda Breath of the Wild Zelda Breath of the Wild did one thing in gaming for me it pretty much ruined every other game I was ever going to play ever because of the breadth of detail that's in that game the fact you can climb which you pretty much can't do in any other game the way weather affects things everything about that game is just for me better than any other game i've played that plays anything like that you had that and horizon zero dawn that came out in the same week horizon (laughs) came out on the wednesday in the uk and breath of the wild came out on the friday I had Horizon. I played it for about an hour, hour and a half on the first night I had it. Didn't get a chance to play it on the Thursday. And then Friday the Zelda came out. I can tell you now, Zelda's been out three years and I've never gone back to Horizon. Because it is just... 
and I, I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's a beautiful game. It's really well made. It's nice to play, but it is a poor man's Zelda Breath of the Wild. In fact, to, to be fair, Breath of the Wild did ruin Horizon Zero Dawn for me at the time as well because um, I would go into Horizon expecting being able to climb everything inside, which yeah. I couldn't do. And I was like, uh, how do I react to this now? It's, it, it's, it was a couple of years before I could go back and play it again and really enjoy it. Horizon is a great game if you've never seen Breath of the Wild. The second you see Zelda, just not comparable. And uh, don't get me wrong, I know graphically Horizon is better than Zelda. But when you consider Zelda is a Switch game, which is a console that is nowhere near as powerful as the Playstations and Xboxes, it's so much smaller. Or it was even... Because even when you consider that this game can run on the Wii U, which is a poor man system in most people's view anyway. But yeah, it's just amazing. The scope of the game, the size of the game, the map, the enemies everything about that game there is well no i do have one flaw with it and anyone who's played breath of the wild will probably agree with me the weapon system the fact that users use a sword twice and it breaks and you know in real life it would go blunt but it wouldn't break and that just that does annoy me slightly but that is the only thing i can nitpick with zelda now see i'd be the voice of dissent there because i'm one of those few people actually quite like the weapon breaker system because it, it forced you to go out of your comfort zone it forces you to use other weapons and try other methods to do I, what you need to do I like that in certain ways but the the problem with me is then you get the master sword and it's like the master sword is your powerful weapon but then it runs out of magical energy after you've killed so many enemies and you can't use it for ten minutes but it does kind of preface that by you see the master sword and it is you know rusted it is broken down a little bit it's not what it was that, that's very true I just like I say, I, I am looking for. It is the needle in the haystack. It's the one thing that vaguely annoys me about that game, and if I'm a, because I can't find any other fault with it. I just cannot. <laughs> and, and admittedly, it did not feel very realistic when you had these uh, royal weapons that were made for their greatest soldiers that broke after a few swings. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> that's what I mean. You know, I don't mind having the rusted broadsword that breaks after five swings, or the wooden twig from the tree that breaks after hitting an enemy twice. That I've got no problem with. But when you get the high-level great weapons, you know, you've got the Hylian shield, and there's only one of them in the game, and it does break. Or the Master Sword, which stops working after five hits for ten minutes. is There are weapons in there that I would like to see that... I would just tweet that there would be a certain category of weapon where they didn't break. Yeah. And maybe, you know, they did... They made the effect slightly differently, so it lost its sharpness, and maybe you had to go to a sword smith or whatever you would call it. Uh, with, with, like, with some of like the rarer stuff, you, there was a, a vendor you could go to who could replace it, like the Hylian Shield. If yeah. that broke, you could go and buy another one if you needed to. Yeah, for like 17 million. Oh, rupees. God, yeah, it was very expensive. But yeah, I just. It was a slight variation of the Zelda games. You know, normally a Zelda game was go and save princesses or crystals or pendants or something from seven castles and then go and fight Ganon. And this didn't really have the castles as such. You've got the Divine Beasts, which were kind of... Kind of dungeons. Dungeons. And then the shrines, which are 120 of, which were mini dungeons. And some of those were puzzles and some of those were fighting. Don't get me wrong. They were amazing. It was was just a slightly different way of selling the Zelda's game. But yeah, really can't fault the game. Really, for me, best game I've ever played. 
I can't see a game beating it in the, the immediate future. And this is only number two on my list. Well, of course, there is Breath of the Wild 2 that's on the way. Yes. Um, I mean, well, well, yeah, I mean, hopefully that might solve my uh, fix my sword issue. <laughs> Honourable mentions for this era, I've gone Division 1 and 2. More 2 than 1. It's a good game. D- Division was a good game. Plays really well. It's a nice story. I mean, it's not a nice story, but <laughs> it, 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 the story's engaging. It's, it's interesting. I found the problem with Division, and I know it fixed itself in later updates and DLCs, but the Division, the second you completed it, kind of lost any replay value. Yeah, it never really got its hooks into you after that in the end game. Whereas Division 2 kind of fixed that. Division 2, for me, was a better game. It plays nicely. There is replay value in it. They've added in the raids since, and I know there were raids in uh, Division 1, but... For me, Division 2 is a great game. We, we've we gone back to it many times since we've had it. Yep. There's DL, the, the first year's DLC, The Warlords of New York, was great. Then there's there's new DLC that's coming out now that we need to go and play. There's the thing where we can go in a, uh, up a building 100 stories. Yeah, I mean, there, there's like the alternative ways of playing it as well. They occasionally throw in like that whole polarising one where you were yeah. negatively or positively charged and you could only fight enemies based on that charge. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that for me is a good game. And then I've got one other game I've added on this list. We've not really mentioned these yet. And, um, I mean, it's been around as a series for a while, the Assassin's Creed series. Mm. I've gone for Black Flag. Now, we, we had to talk about this one when we created these lists. and Because um, Black Flag was both on the PS3 and PS4, but I've got it here as the PS4 because I played it on the PS4. Mm-hmm. I like the Assassin's Creed series, but for me, Black Flag is the best. Because it's the best game in the series. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's it's the pirate aspect. It's the fact that you're actually not really an assassin. You've just got the same skills as the assassin. I like the story. The character the character's great. It just, it's just a fun game to play. Well, let's be honest. It's all about those sea shanties. Yes. That's what it's about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one of the first games where Battle on the Sea kind of sea adventure was done really well. Um, it's not something that really interested me before, but I remember, you know, when I first had this, going through the game in a week, ten days or so, and completing it, and getting quite close to platinum it, I just couldn't kill the four big destroyer ships at the corners of the map, which was oh. about the only thing I struggled on. I-, I did manage to finish it completely. Nice. But um, what what they did with Assassin's Creed 4 was that they took the best part of Assassin's Creed 3, which, to be fair, not a high bar, Assassin's Creed 3 was pretty poor. Yep. But the ship combat from Assassin's Creed 3 was the thing they got really right so they took that and made that the focus of the next game along with weirdly wandering around in first person in a game dev office yeah because that was it was an odd way of doing it but it was actually both aspects both being the pirate and being the player outside the the, the virtual reality world they were both really well done mm-hmm. for me yeah the high point of the series there have been Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 were great like you say, free wasn't necessarily as good. Syndicate I didn't like. No, uh, Unity I didn't like. Syndicate wasn't bad, but I couldn't stand the brother. Yeah, I didn't mind playing as um, it's the Fry. Were the twins? I think they were twins. Um, yes. Yeah, I couldn't stand playing as the boy, but the girl was fine. And I've not really played the newer ones that much. So Assassin's Creed Origins, I have played. And I actually quite enjoyed that one. That was like that's more your big open world style thing where you're going around Egypt. From what I hear, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is quite good as well, so it goes more into mythology rather than being like a history simulator like the other Assassin's Creed games were in that 
you know, you are fighting creatures from Greek myth in there. So I'm not entirely sure how they resolve that with the rest of the series, but uh, at some point I'll probably get around to playing it. Yeah, we we shall probably do it. And then there's obviously the new one, Valhalla, coming out very soon. Well, yes, very true, with the, uh, the launch of the new consoles. Yes. So, here we go. Yeah. Here's number one on our list. On both our lists. God forgive us. <laughs> now, I think we'll both put the, the, the caveat on this. We're both going to say that this isn't the best game we've ever played. Correct. But it's the game we've probably put the most of our gaming time ever into. It's a story that has been the best part of six years of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just past the sixth anniversary of this, the, the original coming out. And uh, yeah, so it's... <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I know I'm dragging this out. It's Destiny 1 and 2. I know Ian in the last episode didn't like us building games together, but I, I, because of the way the story goes, I think you have to put these two games together. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you on that one. Plus, you know, technically Destiny One was over both generations. So yeah, yeah it's so yeah, Destiny One and Two. Um, for me, on my side, it's been a love-hate relationship with Destiny. There has been times where this has been the best game in the world, and there has been times where this has been awful. Sometimes you want to shake Bungie's hand. Sometimes you want to shake Bungie by the neck and ask what the hell they are doing with this game. Hello, Curse for Cyrus. Yeah. Destiny 1, Year 1, bit of a hot mess. I don't think the original game knew what its story was meant to be because it was rewritten very close to um, development. I think that's something that Anthem got very wrong, which came out later. But Destiny fixed it fairly quickly. Then they fixed with the DLCs of The Dark Below and House of Wolves. Then Year 2, The Taken King, which I think we probably agree on at one stage or another has been the highlight of Destiny. Oh, yes. Was the best year. Year 3, so we're going to Rise of Iron. And then we're going to Destiny 2, so the Destiny 2 campaign, which... For about the first three weeks of playing Destiny 2 was great and then kind of had the same issues that year one of Destiny 1 had, which then again was fixed in year two with Forsaken. Yeah, it was kind of weird because the first year of Destiny 2 wasn't fixed by its DLC. No. If, if, if anything, Curse for Cyrus made it worse, but then Warmind, I mean, anything after Curse for Cyrus would be better, but Warmind kind of redeemed it a bit and kind of brought it back to where it should have been. Yeah, Curse of Osiris is just an odd... It's like a very quick DLC that doesn't really add that much to the game. It just introduces a character that you've heard of about a few times. Yeah, I think that's the issue people have. This was like a guy who was massive in terms of the lore. He was like this big legendary figure, and then he just kind of arrived with a damp squib on Mercury. Oh, I'm here, and I've never really left, and... Oh, here's my ghost. And no, I can't do anything either. You have to fix this all for yeah. me. Yeah. So then you go into, as you say, Warmind, which improved slightly, got things better. Then we go on to Forsaken, the year two of Destiny 2. This is where the divisive, my favourite character in video game history. Um, I've got Trevor and I've got Cade from Destiny. And I know Ian can't stand Cade. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> Uh, spoilers <laughs> yeah I, I love Cade uh, Nathan Fillion plays him really well and uh, such a shame to lose him in year 2 but Forsaken for me was the the Taken King of Destiny 2 it was the best year of Destiny 2 the, the, the one thing I won't forgive Forsaken for is Gambit I bloomin' 
gamut. Yeah, I'm with you there. Can't stand that game mode, but... If we... it was just a one-round thing, okay, fair. The fact you have to do three rounds and it goes on for about 20 minutes, oh, no, no, the, not for me. The thing you'll get from this list that, we, that we've gone through, all the lists of all the consoles, you'll notice there aren't any real first-person shooter multiplayer VP, uh, PvP games, and there's a reason for that. We can do them, we don't like them a lot, and we're not very good at them. Yeah, I mean, when you say we can do them, we can point and shoot at things, those things have usually moved by the time we've shot. The, the most we play these are, uh, we will occasionally play Apex Legends, and we'll occasionally play The Crucible in Destiny, which is the PvP arena. We will occasionally have a good game, mm. surrounded by 20 games where we've got a KDR of like 0.01, and we've killed two people to being killed 20 times ourselves. And... Yeah, it's not not the fun part of the game. And Gambit does, oh, let's do that while you're playing the normal game at the same time and killing enemies, and yeah, it makes it annoying. <laughs> and then you're forced to do it for some triumphs to get some exotic gear. Malfeasance took us nearly three years to get. It pretty much Oh, no, two, two years, two years. Yeah, and it wasn't fun, and it's not a gun I use. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. And then we go to where we are currently with Shadowkeep, which is almost at the end of its season. It should have actually finished by now at the time of our recording, but has been pushed back till November. Which brought back a planet from Destiny 1. Again, started really well, but about a month in got very dull very quickly. And has only again recently picked up with the most recent uh, season on the season pass. Yes. Do you like the Prophecy Dungeon, the, the Solstice of Heroes, it actually gave you something to do? And we've, I guess I've really done most of the talking now for the last few minutes, (laughs) we've both will sit here and moan our head off about Destiny. But actually, if you look at the stats, we've played this game for many hours over the last few years. I think I cleared the the 34-day mark not too long ago. Yeah, I think I'm on the 40-odd-day mark in Destiny 2, and I was on about 40 days in Destiny 1, the three years of that. When you consider that's 40 days in a three-year period, solely playing one video game, and we play a lot of other video games, we both have full-time jobs. I know, it's getting emotional, man. It's okay, it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a married man. We both have full-time jobs. This is not something we get to do as a full-time thing that we'd like to do and this is a lot of time we spent on the game yeah it, it is my favorite game that i hate it's absolutely fantastic <laughs> it, it but, is a real labor of love yeah. this game but, but again the, the, this list for us was the games that had the biggest impact on us and it would be nothing but a lie to say that destiny 2 and destiny 1 have had the biggest impact on our gaming life it's, for the last it's actually years. really how we met uh, I met my partner and through her friendship group met you and we started playing Destiny online I was in Nottingham, you were in Coventry Yeah. and then when I moved to Coventry we, we got closer and this is how we now you live in my garage almost yeah pretty much and your cats live on me for some reason Yes. and yeah it's, it's what brought us two together as gaming friends oh. really friends <laughs> 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 and it's sweet I don't know if I'd go that far <laughs> but yeah so Destiny 1 and 2 is top of our list like I say I think we'll both agree that it's probably not the best game we've ever played nope. it probably has had the biggest impact in our lives gaming wise over the last few years yeah um, so that's Can't why it makes number that. 1 of the current console generation and then 
we've got the new consoles coming very shortly, both pre-ordered and awaiting a cancellation email from a certain supplier that if it happens, <laughs> we will uh, hunt them down. Yeah, so that's that's us and our gaming background for now. Future podcasts won't be the same kind of setup as this. They'll be more talking about newer games, looking at retro games as a one-off. Yes, um, specifying particular genres to talk about, that yeah. kind of thing. And Hopefully you'll be able to interact with us as well. So we are on the Instagram. The one and only Instagram. The one Instagram. Um, all that is holy. Yes. The only Instagram. Yes. Um, so we are two Brit Gamers. Number two Brit Gamers on Instagram. It's also the same on Twitter. We are two Brit Gamers on Twitter. So follow us on there. Send us a message. See whether you like or disagree with our lists. And uh, Obviously, tell if, you how if, we're if, wrong. if you do disagree, you are wrong. We are the most right people in this conversation, whether you like it or not. I, I'm not going to be as harsh as that. I'm going to say I, I will quite happily engage in conversation. I will be responding to all the tweets personally, and I will destroy you. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, come contact us and just direct your messages at me. It's probably easier. So we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Our next podcast will be out in a few weeks' time. And enjoy yourself. Yes, thank you for listening. We have been two Brit gamers. Yes, we have.